Hi, hey, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I get to be part of the Pastoral team in our community, this discovery. Um, if you don't know me, um, and I'm so excited to share with you this morning and continue this conversation we've been having on the story of Jesus through the eyes of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And today, uh, I want to have a redundant conversation. You might think in the first three minutes, I already know what you're going to talk about. And I have heard this about before. And trust me, when I was writing this, I was like, why am I doing this? But let me tell you, there's moments in life that it's really good for us to be reminded about certain things in our lives. Sometimes to pick up my plate, you will understand me. There's things about pointing out and reminding and be redundant about certain things because they might lead us somewhere, right? So today... If you have uh, your Bible, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 6. If you don't have it, we're going to have it here in back on the screen. And today I want to talk to you about humility creates a path to hidden treasures. Humility creates a path to hidden treasures. You know, one of the things that I want, I want to set this up for you. I want to set this story up so that you can understand where I'm trying to go. One of the things that is happening in chapter 5 before this. You have Jesus coming and making very significant miracles. And two important people. If you've been in Christian circles, you have heard stories, preachings, conversations about these two people. A woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, she gets healed. As well as Jairus, his daughter was uh, sick and Jesus comes and heals her. And if, as you read this story, they both overlap and, and it's Jesus healing both of them and it's like if you notice the the rhythm of the story and the way Mark is writing this uh this two healings is it's like Jesus is just flowing he's in a groove you know he he's he's like shooting these three pointers and he's just making them you know like he's in his a game he is doing it and all of a sudden he goes to the town that he grew up and it's like he hit a wall and this is the story where we're going to read today. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who have heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. Jesus say, said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. If you feel comfortable, I would like to pray as we start this conversation. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be this morning here. Thank you for allowing us to come in. And maybe there's a lot of things happening in our minds, in our souls. Can you speak to our souls this morning? Can you invite us into this conversation? Can you trigger 
something in us that is inviting us coming closer and closer to you. And there, your voice can be louder and louder than all the other voices. We ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus. And we say, amen. Hey, family, have you, have you ever heard this, this uh, comment that it's not what you say, it's how you say it? Have you heard that before? I mean, for the ones who are married and have a, a committed relationship, you would understand me, right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. When I got married, I understood something. That I can be right and wrong at the same time. I can say the right thing with the wrong attitude and it just throws everything off. You know, I have a gift, if you ask my wife, that I leave everything halfway. I almost throw the dirty clothes where it's supposed to go. I almost finished cleaning the kitchen. I'm almost done putting things away. And that's the gift I bring to the table. <laughs> My wife loves moments that she's frustrated. And she comes to me and she confronts me. Why you always leave things halfway? And guess what? I know that. I'm struggling with it. I'm battling with it. I'm trying to be better at it. But the moment she confronts me and she argues with me, she can turn off me really fast by the attitude that she takes. It can be, it can, she can say the right thing with the wrong attitude and I'm gone. But there's many times that she really ha ha wants to have this important conversation, wants to teach me. And she comes with a very gracious, kind heart. And I understand. I understand my inconsistencies. I understand my lack of finishing things and at home. See, the position and the attitude that you take in life matters. It can definitely open the way for a very meaningful and significant conversation or can close the door for those things to happen. The attitude and the posture of your heart can close and open the door for meaningful things to happen in your relationship. See, I believe that there's nothing that can keep us from the love of our creator. There's nothing you can do. But I cannot tell you that there's certain attitudes and certain postures of our heart that can blind us from seeing him being active in our lives. There's certain attitudes that we can take that they can blind us from actually seeing him being active in our circle of influence. When we talk about treasures, this is what I want you to understand. Jesus' intention as he was communicating, as he was healing people, it was always to show us this kingdom of right relationships, this kingdom of endless possibilities, this kingdom and how this kingdom worked amongst us. And he was trying to do what, he, what he's been doing through the whole narrative of the Gospels. He was, trying, he was trying to do that with his town and his people. And there's certain things that you and I need to understand and we oversee the whole story of Jesus. That every time, family, that Jesus is speaking and healing people, I believe that something is that he's, asked, he's answering two important questions that I think we've been, we've been asking through humanity. Is there a God and how is he? How, what does that look like? And if there's a heaven, 
I believe that every interaction, every conversation that he had, every, everything that he was doing is answering these questions. And even, I will say that it's not probably what we expect, but, but that's what we needed. That there's glimpses of what heaven looks like and what that is for us. That's what Jesus is answering. And the problem is that if you and I have access to that, we will say, well, yeah, we want to know. But then the people from Nazareth missed it because of the posture of their heart. The attitude towards Jesus. Notice in verse 2 and 3 what happens. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who have heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. There's something happening in the story. If you notice, they couldn't deny what was coming out of Jesus. They were amazed at what was happening at Jesus. But there's a problem that they're having. Isn't this our old neighbor? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the person that I used to go to class with? Isn't this the guy who lost his dad a while ago? They have a problem with the source. They do not have a problem with this, what's coming out of him, but they have a problem with the source. They have a problem that this source is that, that he's so compelling when he communicates. How is that he, he elaborates with such a wisdom about the law? How is that he's a, famili a familiar face and out of him miracles and wonders are happening? I just don't get it. They didn't have a problem with what was coming out of Jesus. They had a problem with the source himself. See, one of the things that you, you need to know about me, if you ever ask me, hey, Antonio, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Mexico and, and I want to taste the best food in Mexico. Can you tell me the best places? I have even given tours to friends in Mexico about the best food that you can ever think. And, and th this is the thing about, I can point to you where you can find the best Mexican food. But once you get to that place, you will question if the best food will come from that place. I'll tell you that. It's not aesthetically pleasing. I don't even know if they have a building. I don't even know if they have a location. You don't even know if they're sanitary. They, they, you won't get a chef serving you. But can I tell you something? The best food you ever taste in Mexico will come from questionable sources. See, but, but the experience that you will have will change your life. The texture of the food will change your life. The taste of the food, you won't taste Mexican food the same again because it will change you. See, when you look at the source, can be deceiving from the essence of what you're getting. When you, when you see the source, can be deceiving from the essence of what you're getting. Even though you might be changed, even though you, it might be trustworthy, even though I have took people and they still don't want to eat food there. See, this is the issue and the problem they're having with Jesus. They start using 
certain terms to try to discredit Jesus. Isn't this the son of Mary? And usually when you use the mother as a relative, it's, it's two things. Either the father is no longer in the picture or they just tell him he's a bastard. They point out his profession like, we know people like you. We, 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 they don't talk like you. They cannot aspire to anything. People like you, carpenters, don't, don't, don't do that. No. See, they point out his relatives like they intend to reinforce how ordinary he was. See, there's nothing special about you, Jesus. You're, you're one of us. And you know what they say about us. There's nothing good that can come out of this town. And we know that for a fact. You're just a common laborer, Jesus. Can you sense their attitude? Can you sense their, the posture of their hearts? Can you sense the lack of humility and the pride to acknowledge Jesus? We know that such a wisdom cannot be cultivated in a context like this. We know that such a miracles cannot be cultivated and nurtured in a city like this. There's just no way that this can come out of this location. I mean, what is coming out of you is true, but we, we, we don't trust you. We know you, Jesus. Can I just suggest something? Could be that one of the attitudes that can develop in our lives when we're so familiarized with something is pride. See, the, the use to know a posture is not just reserved for people like Nazareth. Like people that, that used to know, be known by uh, 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 uneducated people with people that, that have lack of resources, maybe in an urban setting. That the same attitude is with the educated people, with the, with the religious leaders. It's the same type of attitude. Meaning pride is not reserved just for a few people. It comes across the board. With rich and poor, with educated and educated people. Pride can just cripple in your heart. See, this posture robs Nazareth from seeing Jesus in action. The stubborn heart did not allow them to see what he was trying to do in their lives. The transformation that could happen. The change that can happen. The healing that can happen in their, in their lives and them as a community. May I say that humility will open the way to see your creator and to see what he's doing in your life. Humility has a way to open your heart. So that you can see what he's doing and orchestrating around your life. See, one of, one of my mentors, uh, he lives in Southern California. His name is Tommy Casares. And Tommy, he, uh, he graduated from jail. He was one of probably the few Latinos I knew that he had a PhD. He was an inspiration to me. He was the president of the school that I, I got to graduate. And he was a very unique individual, I'll tell you that. He didn't care. He would hang out with us. If something needed to be fixed in the campus, he would go and help us. If something needed to be clean in the campus, he would come and he would be one of the first ones getting hands on. He was not the typical PhD guy that you would know. And, and, and not saying that everybody's the same. I'm just saying that he was a very unique individual. And, and one of the stories that really, really changed me came from one of his best friends. 
Both of them used to serve in a, in a very important church in Southern California, probably one of the most influential churches in, in the United States and the Latino community. He was one of the pastors in that, in that church. And one day, his friend tells us a story that uh, they didn't have enough people to help in the parking ministry. They had this overflow uh, of parking where it was just pure dust. And that Sunday, they didn't have enough people. His best friend or his friend that time went and told him, hey, we don't have enough people. So he decided to go and help him. He put the vest and he was just moving people away. He was just moving cars and he was doing his thing. His friend said that um, he left a little earlier. When he went inside the gathering in the auditorium, he went up and they noticed he was supposed to preach that Sunday. And he was preaching. Nobody knew. He didn't tell anyone. And I remember his friend said, and I remember looking at the stage and looking at his shoe, and I could see the dust in his shoe. And nobody else knew what the dust meant, but I knew. I knew that that dust meant service. See, he embodied humility. He embodied service. And I remember that just changed me. And that set me up in the way that I was doing things. Bishop Dale Broner says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Let me repeat that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. They got here. This woman took a risk, friends. This woman decided to go and touch a male rabbi. Things can go south, let me tell you. Things cannot go well for her if she doesn't get healed. But she decides to take a risk in her desperation and her openness to go and pursue Jesus. And I mean, most of us know the, the result. Jesus says, your daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Jairus, he puts his reputation in the line, friends. He was a leader of a synagogue, meaning there's a bunch of other leaders right now that want to capture Jesus because they don't like him. And he's putting his name on the line. It took humility to recognize, like, Jesus could probably help me in this situation. T.T.D. Jake says that humility is an inner awareness of our own fragility. What type of posture are we taking, family? What type of posture? Is our posture prideful? Oh, I'm better than this. I'm better than this. Oh, I don't have time to do this. It's just, what am I going to learn from this? I'm not going to waste my time in these things. Are we just missing the sources that God is providing for us in this season of our lives? Are we just missing in there are sources that God is trying to provide for us to be transformed and changed, inspired, and bringing purpose in our lives. Are we dismissing it because we think we're better than those things? What type of posture are you taking? See, one of the things that I believe is that the way we fight pride is with humility. And we don't tend to prescribe how to do things. And I tell you, let me tell you, that's not my, my desire. But can I just provide two, thi two things that can help you fight your pride? 
There's two things that can help. Basic things. Gratitude and service. Gratitude and service. See, if I ask you right now, I want you to make a list of five things that you're grateful for and five things that you're right now you're dislike. Guess what list is going to come faster? Some of us are really good at pointing out there are, there are things that are going wrong. See, we, we, we have this inclination many times that we, we see all the negative things that are happening in our lives and we, we don't perceive what are we grateful for, what are we thankful for. And I believe that one of the things that you can develop in your life is a, grat- a life of gratitude. They say that gratitude is the lubricant of the brain. It's interesting. What are you grateful for? Also service. Serving other people. When you and I get to have this, this opportunity to serve, discovery has many ways of serving other people. Let me tell you. There's so many places you can do it here inside this building and outside our community. You can do it anywhere, anytime, friends. That the posture of our hearts is not, well, there's not a lot of opportunities. Let me tell you, I give you 10 right now. Service and gratitude will help you fight your pride. See, pride can keep us away from the things that Jesus is trying to unveil for us. The, 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 the things that he's trying to show us. It can blind us from the opportunity to see what he's doing in our lives and around us. As I close this conversation today, it's a short one, I know. But we have our kiddos with us and I don't want you to get... You know, like, I have to go, you know, like, I want to give you the time so that you can spend time with your family. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we close this conversation. Do not let the pride of knowing steal from you. The pride of knowing and the pride of knowing someone. Sometimes we're so familiar with things and people that we do not think God can use those same people, those same situations, those provide the treasures that he has for us. See, as I was reading this, this story, towards the end, this is an intriguing verse. Mark says in verse 5, he could he not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed by their lack of faith. What type of territory is my life? What type of soil is my heart? What type of land is my life? Is it a type of life that is optimal and open to receive what God has for me from any type of source? Or if my life is the same type of land that they describe, a land that only a few things happen. I don't know about you, family, but one of the things that that I remember telling myself 
pursuing this faith was that I didn't want to do this halfway. That I didn't want to look back when I was, I don't know, when I'm 50, 60 years old. I don't want to look back and say, what could have happened if I would have been more open to what my creator had for me? If there's a creator, if there's a God, like, what could have happened if I just opened my life and my heart for what he's doing and what he's trying to orchestrate around my life? This is my question to you. What type of life do you want? What type of territory, what type of soil do you want your life to be? I wonder, this is me just asking questions. I wonder how many lives needed to be changed in Nazareth. How many lives needed to be transformed in Nazareth. And it didn't happen because of the posture of their hearts. I wonder how many lives needed to be healed in that city. How many bodies needed to be healed in that city that didn't happen because of the posture of their hearts. I wonder how many lives needed direction and purpose in that city. I wonder what would have been of that city if they could have just be open to what Jesus was doing. I just wonder. A city that they, 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 they dismiss. A city that they didn't see nothing good coming from there. A city that they never cultivated any good leaders apparently. A city that they never thought something good could come out of that place. Can I just tell you a story? You know, there's a city in Mexico called Ciudad Juarez. It's in the northern part of Mexico. That city holds one of the worst statistics ever. They kill women almost every single day in that city. The drug dealers is an avenue, one of the main avenues too that they use. It's a pretty awful city, if you ask me. Pretty famous in the world, I believe, is the number one most dangerous cities in the world, if I'm not mistaken. It's in that city, probably, one of the most influential churches in Mexico is being cultivated right now. I have some friends that actually, they're part of the pastoral team of that, that church. That church right now is influencing the whole Latin America community and setting up a pace of how faith is evolving in our community from a city that nobody thought something good can come. Our creators cultivated something in there. I just wonder. As I close this conversation, there's also something for those who I believe serve other people and help other people. Some of you guys have invested a lot of time in trying to help other people see these treasures. And sometimes if you're like me, we can get frustrated and upset and, and, and you expect more from people because you can see their potential and the possibilities for their lives. Before Jesus, whatever is happening right now, 
Verses after, that's when Jesus sent all his disciples to different regions and different locations to preach the gospel. Meaning, before they leave, all the experiences you can put me through and you can inspire me, I'm about to leave and preach about this gospel. Can you give me something more inspirational than a place that nobody, they don't want nothing to do with you? Why are you bringing me to this space? You notice that chapters, I mean, verses later, he tells them, you're going to go through different places. And there's going to be places that they won't probably want to host you and receive you. And this is what I want you to do. Shake the dust of your shoes and keep going. And keep going. I know you're frustrated. I know you might be upset. You might be irritated. But do not get stuck there. Shake the dust of your shoes keep going and maybe some of us need to hear that today we have invest ourselves we have give the best of ourselves to some people and we need to hear to shake the dust of your shoes and keep going you're doing well today as we close this we have this different stations we're going to have communion a moment to reflect of on the sacrifice of Jesus for our lives as the team leaders in worship, take a moment. Come and get your items and just take a moment to reflect what's happening right now and the conversation that is happening right now. And allow God to speak to your life, to shake a couple things in your life, to trigger certain things in your life. And where, is he's at, where is he inviting you this morning?